Okay, got it. Ready? <clears throat> You're listening to Paul Elmore. Paul Elmore. <laughs> uh, help me welcome Paul Elmore. I have a huge promise that we're going to start off with. I can take any person in this room right now and I can take away all of your anxiety in under six minutes. Six minutes, that's all it takes. If, you know, we get hung up on something, I can probably do another three. Three minutes. I don't know what we're gonna do with the other six weeks of the series, but we'll have to figure it out. How many of you would like to sign up for that? Three minutes, six minute cure, okay? Six seconds. Oh, six seconds. Apparently, I'm a little um, promising huge thing. Uh, six seconds. Six minutes to three minutes to six seconds. How many want to do that again? Six seconds. All my anxiety is gone. How many of you are freaked out going to an anxiety class? It's like, what is he going to make us do? Why are we going? How can I stay invisible? Which seat is he not going to look at in here so I don't get called on? Right? It's like, okay, what do I do, what do I do? Six seconds. Here's what I'd like you to do. Close your eyes. Put all your stuff down, put it off to the side. Close your eyes. And I want you to pick the thing. For some of you, it might be more than one thing. So you're going to have to kind of go through the list. Pick the one thing that if you could have it taken away, you would go, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. What's the one thing that's causing the most anxiety? You're freaked out. You're worried all the time. What would it look like if it was completely gone? What would your day look like? What would it feel like? What would change? When you're ready, open your eyes, find me. And is there any volunteers who would be willing to come up, stand up here with me, and let's see if we can make your anxiety go away in six seconds or less. Now, I don't want you to go deep. I don't want you to pick something that's like massively personal, highly revealing, any of those kind of things. Anyone willing to do that besides, you know, I know many of you are looking for the door right now, okay? No one's going to make you come up here. Anyone at all? We have one, we have two, okay, three. Anyone else possibly willing? Okay, four, possibly. We got a, what, sort of in the back there, five. Um, I saw your hand first. You said you'd be willing? Sure. What's your name? Michaela. Michaela, come on up. Everyone, big round of applause because Michaela is out of her mind. Out of her mind. Okay. Uh, hi. Thanks for coming. Come over here. Right into the front. Okay. Um, hi, I'm Paul. I'm Michaela. Nice to meet you. Thanks for coming. Have you been to these things before? This is your first time. Very nice. Well, I'm the presenter. Um, I don't 
know if Chelsea said anything. Um, my day job, just to give you a little bit more um, confidence in kind of what I'm doing and like I know what I'm doing. Um, I'm actually a counselor. So if you start to have feelings, it's okay. I'll be here to be right with you. Um, I've been doing that for a long time. 16-ish years, somewhere in there. Um, what else, what else, what else? Is this nine? I think it's nine, week, summer nine, to be here getting to do this. We've covered a lot of stuff. And everyone who's come has actually left all in one piece. So that's good news for you, good news for everyone else. Okay, um, microphone, thank you very much. Um, oh, I didn't hear it, one more time. I don't know how to make it. Hello, 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 hello. I don't know how to make it work. Okay, it says good. Now try it. Good. <laughs> Did you know that public speaking is actually feared more than death? Have you heard that statistic? So for some of you, this up here, you'd rather die than be up in front of an audience. It's t that terrifying. So Michaela's doing fantastic. Okay. Michaela, would you be willing to um, share briefly what the anxiety is that kind of you carry around? It's a good anxiety, but... It's a good uh, anxiety. Yeah. Okay. I'm mean, changing jobs and I'm fearful. So fearful. So anxious. Really? Mm -hmm. How does it um, typically show up for you? Uh, tense. In my tense. shoulders. No sleep. Heart racing, yeah. sweaty. I'm feeling it right now. Really? Good. Good? Okay. Because <laughs> we want this to be real. We yeah, want this to kind is. of, you know, connect. Yeah. Okay, McKelly, here's what I want you to do. Um, go ahead and close your eyes. Okay. Everyone's going to be staring at you. Everyone's watching your every move. That's no okay, pressure. I'm a teacher. Okay. Mm -hmm. Keep your eyes on her. Um, Michaela, who is the person... You don't need to tell us who it is, but who's the person that you hold most dear in this world? The person that you love the most, that you cherish the most? Who is that person? I have two. Okay. George and Julia. George and Julia. If you had to pick one. <laughs> you can't tell. Okay. Uh, Julia right now. Yeah, Julia. It's Julia. Okay. Don't tell him. <laughs> Are you in the process of trying to get a new job? No, I have a job, yeah, but I'm a teacher, so I start it in six weeks and counting. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. So you're like a new teacher? No, just changing jobs. New so job, from new first, teacher. second, and third to fourth, fifth, and sixth. Got it. Okay, and you're feeling it right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so you said Julia is this person? Yes. Perfect. So here's what I want you to do. It's about a day before you're starting your new job. You've got your classroom mostly set up. You've got all of these kiddos that are coming in. You've got to get all their names right. You've got all these things you want to do, all these amazing things. But it's a lot of pressure. You've got some new staff. You've got some new um, administrators that you're having to work with, all these things. And as you are in the car and as you are driving to your new job, you get a phone call. And you find out that Julia has been in a horrific accident. And she is in the ICU. They don't know if she's going to make it through the night. How worried are you about your job right now? Nothing. Less than six seconds. <laughs> Terrible. Here's what I want you to understand. Yeah. 
the reality is still there. Your job is still there. Yeah. Nothing's changed in your, in, in your reality. But now something else has taken more precedence or more important to you. Mm -hmm. Fair enough to say? Yeah. And the minute you make that shift in your head, the story you tell in your head, do you actually worry about the job? Not one bit. Not one iota. Now, we have substituted for something else that is uncomfortable, mm -hmm. but here's the weird thing. That's not anxiety that she's feeling about her friend Julia. What would that be? Fear. What else? Compassion. What else? Helplessness. Love. It's a lot of other things, but it is an anxiety. Huh? Devastation. Devastation. Grief. Yeah. yeah. But it's not anxiety. This is really, really important. Michaela, thank you so much. I'll take that. Thank you so very much. How does she do, everyone? It's a very weird, very strange way to start a whole series on anxiety, and yet it is essential to understand and to begin with because a lot of us believe we are powerless over this anxiety. It's holding us captive that we can't get free of it in some way. And in six seconds, I got it to go away. It's not that powerful. Now, that isn't to minimize what you're going through. That's not to say, you know, the, the, the fears or the worry that you have isn't, isn't valid, but I want you to hear that it doesn't have to hold you captive. Is that good news, everyone? Do you believe me? How many of you are having a hard time going, yeah, I'm going to have to, I'll believe it when I see it. I'm not so sure I'm buying. That's okay. You're allowed to be skeptical. You're allowed to be skeptical. The point of this series that we're going to do over six weeks is to see if we can get you to shift in that, in that we can call it entrenched or that, that cemented in belief that I am held captive. And for some of you, that fear, that anxiety has dominated your life for decades. Decades. Over and over and over again. What did you say? I said right here. Right here. Right. <laughs> yes. Would you like to be free of that? Oh, I've been at peace and it come back. Yes. My country, yes, you've been free and it came back. It came back. Yes. You said you're from Congo. Yeah, you might have some story there. We're glad you're here. Thank you so much for being here. Um... Where should we go with some of this? Um, again, this is the power of story. What is the story we tell in our heads? Why in the world do we end up telling such tragic stories over and over and over about our future? Has anyone here seen this little indie film called um, Lord of the Rings? Anyone not seen? I'm actually surprised how many people haven't. One, two, three, four, okay. That's okay. You're still welcome. It's okay. But can you imagine Lord of the Rings? I'm going to massive spoiler alert. So if you are planning to see it, you might want to cover your ears right now. Um, it's old enough, so I'm hopefully, anyway. Um, can you imagine Lord of the Rings? It's got like 18 hours building up to this huge, great moment. And, and, um, you have Samwise and um, Frodo, Mr. Frodo, 
Okay, and he's the best scene in the movie is when they're climbing up more uh, Lord Mount Doom. Mordor. They're in Mordor, climbing up Mount Doom. Thank you. I thought I had it right. And Frodo falls, and he can't go any further. Remember that scene? And Samwise picks him up, and what's he say? It's the best line in the movie. Yeah, I can't carry it for you, but I can carry you. And he starts to stagger up there. Everyone's crying at that moment, including me. Imagine going just a few minutes before that. I can't go any further. And Sam Wise says, oh, man, yes, you can, Mr. Frodo. <sighs> Movie's over, and they roll credits. Thanks for coming. Glad you came. What kind of movie would that be besides really, really crappy? That's, the, that's what anxiety does. That's the power of story. We're telling these tragic stories ahead in our future, trying to do what? Why in the world do we have these stories playing over in our head? Um, any guesses? Why do we tell those stories? You have to speak up really, really loud. Prepare for the worst. Good question. Good option. Anyone else? To be understood so people know your history. Okay. Risk. Risk management. Very good word. I like that. Anyone else? Why do we do that? Yes, please. We desire to have a narrative. We desire to have a narrative. Tell me more about that. We're searching for our narrative to make sense of our life. Good one. Yes. The illusion of being able to control the narrative. Your name? Lacey. Lacey. You can tell me your name. It's okay. I'm not going to ask you to come on. Lacey, we're coming back to you because you said the magic word. Very good. So everyone remind me Lacey's name here when we get to it. Our anxiety-causing story is actually because we don't want to be in pain or discomfort, so we're going to scan the environment to make sure there's no other dangers or potential threats so that we can be prepared and we can handle them head-on. Do you hear the wisdom in that? I'm going to look for everything terrible so I feel really safe. Think through that. I'm going to look for every potential problem so that I feel... Do you feel safe when you do that? Paranoid. paranoid. There's a good word. We could have named that the series. Welcome to the Paranoid series. No one's watching you. Come on in. It is anticipating worst-case scenarios because we've had past experiences that typically have been remarkably painful. This is all anxiety is. It's actually not that complex, which again, is good news. We actually make it much bigger in our heads, like it's this huge force that we cannot overcome, and yet it's rooted in story, and it's rooted in our past. Now, that's actually pretty smart for us to say, um, I don't want to have problems in my future, so I'm going to try to figure out or learn from all of the pain in my past. The very first series I taught here was called Failure 101. And it was a way because um, I was overwhelmed with my own sense of fear of failure. So it's like, okay, I'll actually um, 
go and teach a whole series on it, so I have to learn how to overcome it. And the whole concept of failure is I will learn from my mistakes. It doesn't define me. And I can actually embrace some of those mistakes and let them shape me. But past experiences can be painful, and how many times do we want to experience pain? Willfully, intentionally sign up for that class. We could have named it that class too, Golden to Pain 101. Come on in and we'll see what we can do. Here's the, here's the painful or the crappy reality. We are surrounded by potential problems 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Would you agree or disagree? I actually had this um, whole concept. I really got to figure out how to ch pick like happier topics so that I have happy things happen in my life. Um, my son, who is 16 right now, um, he went to the river uh, over the weekend with a bunch of friends from school. And this is in the Clackamas River. And before he left, I, you know, jokingly said, hey, kiddo, don't drown. Um, and then he comes home. And he is covered head to toe in scrapes all up and down his arms, all up and down his legs um, because he was out in the river on this big kind of rock thing and he wanted to get to another part of the river and he was carefully lowering himself down into the river and his, his grip slipped and he slid kind of on his stomach all the way down this rock into the river, into the deep, you know, the hole where the current's dragging you. And he's going, he literally thought in that moment, huh, I never expected to die this way. This was three days ago, two days ago. He was able to get his wits about him. He got up to the surface. He got a breath and he was able to float over to some friends and get over to where he needs to be. At that moment, I really didn't care about the presentation I was doing on Monday night here. Sorry. I, I you know, this is important and everything, but I didn't care because what was I more worried about at that moment? I want my boy to come home because that is more important. So we are surrounded by potential problems all the time. Now, what could I have done to avoid my son drowning at Clackamas River? What could I have done as a parent? Kept him home like a good parent would have. <laughs> Go with him. Because 16-year-old boys love their parents going with them when their friends are hanging out, making sure that they're safe at the river. Swimming lessons, which he's had. So I could have picked a better swimming teacher. Life preserver. Yeah, the floaties on the arms, the little floaty things, because that's cool for the 16-year-old boy. That's awesome. With the ducks on it, yeah, that would make it look even better. Bodyguard, yes. How many of those seem reasonable? <laughs> You're going back to the swimming lessons. Walk... Lacey, this is where your word came in again. What was your word again? Start with a C. Control. Parents are supposed to let go of what with their kiddos? Control. Don't we hate that? Every parent in the place go, yes. It is so hard. So hard. I, was, I actually looked for the video. I couldn't find it of my then 18-year-old son riding away on his first motorcycle, going out of the driveway, wobbling as he tries to go up the street. And I am sitting there having heart palpitations, holding the top of my head going, I don't know if I'm ever gonna see my son ever again. 
And at that moment, what did I have to do as a parent? Let him go. Welcome to the theme of anxiety or peace in anxiety. Because it's actually not a class about anxiety. It's actually a class about surrender. It's actually a class about letting go of, what's Lacey's word? Control. Isn't this a great class to show up at, okay? Next week, all three of you come back. We'll just sit up here so we can just make it a little easier to talk about. Because this is hard, scary stuff. We don't like it. What would make us feel better if we can't have control, if we have to understand that we are surrounded by potential problems every day, what would make us feel better? Give me some solutions. Crystal ball. Crystal ball. Yes, I like it. If you can figure out the one that works, that's accurate. <laughs> what else? If we could tell the future. Trust God. That is a fantastic answer. We can't do anything. Your name? Odile. One more time? Odile. Odile. Yes. It might just be you and me, okay? Is that hard to do or easy to do, to trust God sometimes? Well, yeah, sometimes. Sometimes. Oh, sometimes hard. Does anyone else have a hard time trusting God? Okay, good. I'm not the only one. Whew. It is really. Does anyone even have a hard time knowing how? What does that even look like? I mean, I need the three-step book. Just trust God and three easy steps with that blog post. And then all your problems are solved. Clickbait, right? Right here. How do we make that work? What else do we do? If the world is surrounded by potential harm, what do we do? Because there is a solution. I want to see if we can come up with it or else I'll just give it to you. But I get it to you. It'd be just boring. What would you do? Say it again. Create your own bubble. There you go. So you, I actually call it shields. I'm a big Star Trek fan. So, you know, Captain, raise the shields. Don't let stuff get in. You can handle the photon torpedoes. Okay. Enjoy the roller coaster. Wow, that's a good one. I like that one. Enjoy the roller coaster. How about instead of an anxiety-causing story, we have a confidence causing story. So let's back up real fast. What is the opposite of anxiety? Huh? Peace? Um, calm? I heard surrender. Okay. He's been listening. He's trying to get to the end going. He said surrender. It's probably the right answer. Surrender. Okay. Part of it, but surrender actually gets you to this other thing. It's close. That's the how. Opposite of anxiety? I would argue, is confidence. Did you say confidence? I missed it. I'm sorry. Oh, you said confidence. Well done. It's okay. Confidence-causing story. Instead of an anxiety-causing story, which says we don't know what to do, we can have a confidence-causing story, which says we know what to do. We know how we can handle some of these things. We know that we are prepared, and we are ready for whatever comes up. Um, I think anxiety is actually mistimed problem solving. Now, is it good to solve problems? Yes. 
Is it good to solve problems that you're going to have 10 years from now? Can you even know what the 10-year problems are 10 years from now? Can you? Really? Okay. Walk me through it. Not, not to challenge you, but what do you mean? Correct. You worry about the future, but here's the interesting. I wouldn't argue that finances are a problem. Finances can, might be a blessing. Finances is just a thing that we have to handle. Health could be another thing, right? Relationship can be another thing in the future. There's lots of things in the future. If we label all of them as problems, that's going to be a problem for my wife. Hi, honey, I'm home. You're a problem for me. And I got to figure out what to do with you. You guys giggle and laugh, but the reality is that is why a lot of people have avoided getting married or entering into a relationship because they're still looking for the person who's not going to cause problems for them in the future. Do I, do I line up with this person? Do they make me happy? Do we click? And so they're afraid to step forward because it's like, mm, I don't know, you might be a problem later on. And that could be because they've come from a really bad relationship and they've gotten burned that way. They've seen their parents go through bad relationships and they've said, I want nothing to do with that. And so I'm going to avoid that. But relationship problems in the future, I'm just going to be careful right now. Anxiety is mistimed problem solving. Now, fear, fear and anxiety. Fear is something is here right in front of me right now. The snake is on the trail and it's ready to strike and it's ready to bite me and it's ready to kill me. Should I be afraid? Everyone nod their head, yes. Yes, that is fear. That's not anxiety. <clears throat> anxiety is I might be going for a hike a year from now and I've heard there's snakes out there and I want to make sure that I can avoid the snakes and so... I shouldn't probably go on the trail where there are snakes. And I'm going to stay away. Now, I want you, okay, everyone hear me very, very clearly. I want you to have fear when it's appropriate. When you narrowly miss the, the guy who rips through the, we, my daughter and I driving here today. Green light, we are ready to go. Ten seconds after we had a green light, this guy comes through the lane, rips across all of them, and goes off the other way. I mean, blatantly, if we would have stepped on the gas, we would have been hit, us and about nine other cars. The world of potential harm. And yet, we could have been injured, and I could have said, there's bad drivers out there, I'm not going to get on the road. Do you know who I think of, or what I think of, when I think of anxiety? There's actually this picture that comes to mind. Here's what it looks like. <clears throat> Look at these little guys. That guy in the back, he's blinking. I mean, what is going on? How many of you are anxious just watching these little critters right now? It's hard to watch. Oof. Anyone like Caesar Milan? I'm a huge Caesar Milan fan. You should watch all of his stuff on anxiety because it talks about how your energy affects those around you. We have one little scared dog here. I'll actually go back and play it again. We have, uh, let's see if it'll start again. Play. Let's try it now. 
and go. So we actually, these dogs are bouncing off of each other. Their anxiety is bouncing off the other ones, and they're kind of cycling up more and more and more and more. Now, if you could hear the audio, which isn't really that important, but the guy is going, did you eat the cat food? Did you eat the cat food? <laughs> He's shaming the dogs. We could do a whole other thing on dog shaming, but that's a weird class for people to go to, so let's not do that one. That is what anxiety looks like. Your, your, your system, the somatically, your system gets so overwhelmed that it literally trembles and shakes. You have that stomach thing that goes on. You have the tension in your shoulders. For me, it's my lower back. That is my check engine light that says, you are under too much stress. You are carrying something. And so physiologically, my body is going crazy, just like these little critters are right here. Do you want to know who I think of when I think of confidence? Actually, oh, sorry, got ahead of myself. These little guys are being yelled at because they've ate the, they ate the cat food. I'm going to suggest that anxiety comes down to one of two categories. You might be experiencing both categories, but I have yet to find anything that causes anxiety that doesn't fall into these two categories. I'm open to a third if we can find it during this series, okay? The first is the fear of losing something. I don't want to lose something in the future. That can be money. That could be security. That can be reputation, that could be family members or relationship, that can be a job, that can be whatever, whatever, whatever. Fear of losing something you already have. Do a quick inventory. Is my anxiety right now that, I carry, that I've carried around for years rooted in some form of loss aversion? I don't want to lose something. The second one is know, or not knowing how to solve a problem. So I have this problem. It's clear I have this problem. It's a real problem, and I am stuck like Chuck. I have no idea what to do. I either feel helpless or hopeless. <clears throat> I don't know how to get out of the problem that I'm sitting in. So, again, take a quick inventory. How many of you are going that is my cause of anxiety. I don't know how to get out of this thing. I don't know how to solve this problem. I have a hero, okay, when it comes to um, overcoming anxiety. This is who I think of when I think of overcoming anxiety. You ready for this? It's awesome. <clears throat> Who's that? Who is it? Oh, did it go away? Oh, come on. Hold on. My laptop died, or something died up there. Oh. Hold, please. Who was that? Who saw it? Who doesn't know who that was? See, this is where it, the world's starting to change, and people are just, like, lost. Okay, so here we go. Back to that, and not knowing. There he is. No one wants to, MacGyver doesn't want to be seen, apparently. Now I'm anxious. Oh, man, what am I going to do? <clears throat> That's MacGyver. MacGyver was um, a TV series back in the 80s, and it was the coolest series ever. How come? What could MacGyver do or not do? M MacGyver could do everything. With what? 
Duct tape, paper clips, chocolate. First episode, chocolate. He actually stopped a nuclear meltdown with chocolate. No joke. Watch the first episode. It's really good. Why do I like MacGyver? Why do I like the, the principle of MacGyver? Say, okay, hold on. Lots of mumbling. Let's try it one more time. One more time. He's confident he can always solve something. What else about MacGyver? He has a solution. He has a solution for everything. Hold, please. This one's microphone. Hello, hello. Is this on? Hello. One, two, three. What's your name? My name. My name's Deborah. Deborah. Yes. Deborah. I give you the microphone and anxiety goes up and everything. Isn't it just awesome? I'll bring something better next time. Okay. okay. Deborah. And what did you say? Um, I said that he always finds the solution with whatever is around him. There's the word. He finds the solution. The thing that made MacGyver so cool is he only carried three things. Three things. He always carried a Swiss Army knife. He's the reason why I have two Swiss Army knives on my nightstand at home right now because when I was a, a little kid, having a Swiss Army knife meant I was this guy, mullet and everything. It was awesome, okay? Swiss Army knife, he carried duct tape. That's why actually duct tape became so popular. It's his fault. He's the one who actually popularized it. And he carried an empty bag, a satchel. And as he went through the again, the, the nuclear um, plant that was now disintegrating, he would pick up things that he needed along the way. In the very first episode, there was a vending machine that had chocolate bars spilled out, and he goes, oh, I'm probably going to need chocolate bars to, you know, plug up the hole in this nuclear reactor because it causes some sort of chemical reaction, blah, blah, blah. So he loads Kenny bars into his bag, and he goes off, and he unwraps these, and he stuffs them into the hole, and he stops the world from melting down with Hershey bars. Pretty smart guy. It's amazing because he knows he can find a solution rather than having to always carry it. Another show that I used to love, and this is totally dating myself, old school PBS, uh, Norm Abrams. Anyone know Norm Abrams? Probably not a many people. He was a carpenter. And the thing that's cool about Norm Abrams is he had this shop. And in this shop, there was a tool for everything. If you needed to make a right-hand cut on a miter cut on a board, he had a special right-hand miter cutting saw. And if you needed to make a left-hand cutting, he would have a left-hand miter cutting saw. And he'd have a jig for this. And, it, and his shop's huge, and he's got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of tools that he needs to bring with him or, or to use to build whatever, you know, New England table that he's building. Can you imagine him being called saying we have to stop, we have to solve the problem and, and save the planet? All right, hold on a second. I got to get two semis. I got to back them up. I got to load in all of my tools and carry them with me. Now I got to figure out how to get all the tools into the nuclear reactor to diffuse whatever is melting down. That's why Norm was never called. But this guy, he's carrying a missile that he's probably just diffused in some way or stopped it from blowing up the world because he knows that he can find the solution. Do you know how to find a solution? Or do you believe, I can't? I don't know how. I'm not smart enough. I'm not experienced enough. I'm not capable enough. How many of you believe 
don't raise your hands, that I can't find a solution. And that means when something bad happens, it's easier to sit down and to pull my knees up to my chest and go, I hope it goes away, I hope it goes away, I hope it goes away. MacGyver, cool guy. So, here's again where I am I'm open to hearing. Does anyone here think they have some level of anxiety that doesn't fall into those two categories? Losing something or they don't know how to solve a problem? We have a hand back here. Hold on a second. Would you like to come up here? <laughs> how about I come back here? Would that be all right? Thank you so much. Give us your name. My name is Beth Ann. Hi. Hi, Beth um, What about generational sin? So, for example, if your family and your family's family has always dealt with problems through anxiety, and this is what you were around, and then have you ever heard the stories where your great-great-grandmother, who you've never met, comes, like, knocking on your door and is like, here's jealousy. I'm here, you know... Um, <laughs> I'm giving you this gift of jealousy that you never knew you had, or anxiety, or, you know, where all these things that are inherent to your family um, through the genes come upon you. So, yeah. does that make sense? It does. Um, are we talking metaphorical grandmother yeah. knocking yeah. <laughs> on the door, yeah. or an actual grandmother? No, yeah, I just and make it sure was I'm actually following. through Transformation Church, they did this whole thing on generational sin and how you yes. have like all these ropes tied to you then of these memories or how like your family has dealt with issues. So you're trying to run forward, but you're held back from all this generational sin. So you actually just used or answered your question there, how they have dealt with all of these issues. That sounds like problem solving to me because they might use jealousy, they might use backstabbing, they might use um, bitterness, they might use avoidance, they might use all of those things which are absolutely true and real and toxic, but they typically are used in a problem-solving capacity. You and I have a fight, and I don't want to deal with it. So it's much easier to go and talk to my neighbor about how bad you are and what a rotten niece or nephew or, or, or granddaughter you are, and but I'm not going to talk to you about it. That methodology is, is unhealthy, but it actually still comes back down to problem-solving category, unless I'm missing something. It's, again, it's, avoidance is a problem-solving strategy. It's a very bad problem-solving strategy, but it is a popular one. Again, anyone else who thinks they have an anxiety that might not fit into those two things? Oh, I think I have all of these anxieties, but um, Wonderful. I'm adding one. But I, oh, good. I was just thinking about the, the dogs being shamed and that yes. fear of being shamed or yelled at. But is that like losing someone's love or something? Is that still losing? I, I actually have several clients in my office um, who spend so much energy and time trying to change what other people think of them because they are afraid of... Uh, what other people's opinions are, reputation, all those kinds of things. And so, again, it usually comes back to trying to avoid the loss of looking bad or it's actually control. Lacey, thank you so much. It's back to that control thing of I got to make sure you think good of me. So I'm going to show up early or I'm going to avoid this or I'm going to do that and I'm going to make sure I can control what you think of me. Okay. That, and I think it sometimes comes from when you make a mistake, fear of how they're going to... Yeah. yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So it ties into losing. It comes into losing. 
Yeah. Losing face. You ever hear that phrase? Yeah. You lose face. You lose um, credibility. It's still something that is lost. One more over here. Thank you. I'll get to you in just a second. I understand that the fear is about losing my freedom, but where does chronic pain where everything that's been done medically land you? <laughs> because the anxiety is technically based on the past and it is a fear of losing your freedom, but it's yeah. hard to talk yourself out of each day. Yes, it is. Thank you. Um, Chronic pain is devastating. It's the loss of comfort. We would like to be comfortable. That's why after a long day at work, we want to go home, we want to put our feet up, we want to have something, you know, tasty and delicious, and we try to get comfortable. We try to buy a bed that fits us well. We go for walks to do exercise so that we can get comfortable. And chronic pain robs us of that over and over and over again. And it is um, I would use the word suffering because when it looks like there is no cure or hope, um, then you actually suffer. But it comes back down to loss of comfort. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, again, for me, I carried in my lower back. Um, I have a chronic back issue. I can't mow my own lawn. I'm a relatively competent adult male, and I can't mow my own lawn. I lose my masculinity. I lose my, my um, way of providing for my my family just doing stuff around the house. Um, I like to build things and I have about an hour and a half of working time where I can stand up and then after that I have to sit down and, and get my feet up and get into a position to relieve that pain. So it's a loss after loss after loss after loss. And it can create quite a bit of anxiety. Quite a bit of anxiety. Nikki, you got one that doesn't... Really yeah, something that doesn't fit into the loss or the... Having the anxiety of having a seizure at any moment. Yes. That, again, when, when you have that loss of... Lacey, what's your word? Physically, neurologically, your body says, you don't get to choose. That loss of control is... Exhausting and devastating. I was going to title it that, but I don't think many people would come. <laughs> it's not that you're screwed. It is how do we come to terms living in a fallen world that we can't? Lacey, what's the word? We hate it, and so we do everything we can to try to get it back, including trying to predict all the problems in the future, focusing on them, and trying to avoid them. And that creates what? Anxiety. We are not captive to that. 
but we probably have to come to terms with this control thing, embracing suffering. This is, it's like basketball. I can teach you how to play basketball in about two minutes. Take ball, put in hoop, run to the other side, keep the other guy from doing it. Welcome to basketball. It takes years to master that skill. Would that be fair to say? It's not easy to execute, yet it is easy to control. And the part of us, our humanity says, we get to practice this and learn how to do this better and better. And you guys have a wonderful community right here at Imago to do that over and over with people on a weekly basis or a daily basis that says, I am mad, I am pissed off that my brain isn't working and it's gonna throw a seizure at me or I'm in chronic pain or that my kiddo's making stupid decisions and he's freaking me out and I'm afraid he's gonna end up in jail or even worse. And I need help walking through that. But we don't have to be held to the captivity of the anxiety that comes from that. Now again, if you're looking for the solution for all these other things, you're gonna to have to hire a much better speaker than I am because I don't have the solution for all of these things. But I can give you the solution on how to not be held captive by that anxiety. Well, you're gonna to have to use a microphone, I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, give us your name. Amy. Amy. Yeah. Um, what is that when you're, um, you become anxious because somebody else's anxiety yes. is rubbed off on you. Let's yes. say it's your own parent or your roommate or your partner at work that you share an office with every day, your boss. Like, like maybe you were not naturally an anxious person because this other person is in your life now and now yeah. it's kind of like those dogs. Yes. Like the one dog is shaking and now the other dog is shaking. Yeah. So if I am a person who is now Yep. This way because yeah. of these people in my life. What category is that? Or so how, that's what, actually, without getting those people out of my life, I can't just say like, yeah. I don't want to work with that person anymore. That's right. Or I can't be your sibling anymore. Yeah. You know, like you can't just remove those people from your lives if you love them and care about them or they bring you income. <laughs> Does anyone have any other questions? <laughs> Amy, um, that's a fantastic. That actually might come close to the third category here. I still think it might fall into the first two. Um, that's actually the dark side of empathy. There are people who are highly empathetic, and they can pick up on other people's emotional states. Anger, fear, nervousness, anxiety, excitement, and happy. Um, and usually that grows... You can get better at kind of navigating that world by learning how to, the, the fancy psychological term is differentiate. It is saying, I'm going to let you be you, and I can be me, and I can ground myself in my experience. I actually had to teach myself how to do that with my wife um, because I was unbelievably massively codependent when the first many years of our marriage because I just didn't know how to love my wife very well. And she'd come home after running errands and doing whatever she was doing, and she'd be in a bad mood. And my insecurity showed up as going, oh man, I think I might have done something wrong. She's pissed off at me. She's kind of um, been kind of mulling over this as she's been running errands, and now she's come home, and now she's really, really mad at me. <clears throat> and so I would instantly move into this, she's in a bad mood, oh man, uh, what am I going to do? And I'd start to panic, and I'd start to worry, and I'd go up to her, and so my wife, who's already in a bad mood, who's not feeling good, who is emotionally kind of upset, I would go to her and go, honey, are we okay? I need you to reassure me. I need you to take care of me. 
Isn't that a great husband? You're in a really bad place, and I need you to take care of me. I need you to focus on my needs right now. Are we okay? Are we doing okay? Are we fine? And she'd go, yes, I'm fine. It was the bad driver, or it was the crazy thing at the grocery store, or it was the, the guy at work, or whatever that is. We're okay. And I had to learn how to, it was actually, I practiced it. It's a weird thing to practice as a husband, but I practiced when um, she would come home and she was in that state. I would quickly go, hmm, pretty sure I haven't been a bad husband right now. Okay, I'm going to trust that I haven't been a bad husband. And that if I was, she would tell me. So I'm going to assume we are okay. And my wife's having a bad, uh, a bad time right now. But before she walked in the door, what state was I in? I was actually in a pretty good state. I'm having a pretty good day. Just relaxing here on the couch, enjoying the game, having a couple Fritos. This is kind of nice. I'm actually having a pretty good day. I am allowed to stay in that state and have my wife be in a bad mood. And that actually helped her get out of her bad mood faster. I'd able to come up to her and go, honey, I'm so sorry you're in a bad place. I can understand where, why all these things happen to you. I'm actually doing pretty good. I'm having a good day. Not in a ha-ha in your face kind of thing. You suck, okay? It's not that. But it's in a empathetic without getting lost in their stuff. So hear that word again, lost. When you don't have those boundaries of differentiation, relationally you can lose your identity. So that's why I think it kind of floats around that loss thing. But it might be a third category. I'm open to that idea, which is... Um, empathetic anxiety or, or proximal anxiety or um, secondary anxiety where you kind of just pick up on people and it's not because you're afraid of losing anything. Actually, I can tell you what I think it is. I was afraid I was going to look like a bad husband and so I had to, I had to demonstrate that I'm actually very tuned into her. Loss of reputation on my part. I would be a bad husband. So I think it falls around that loss thing still. Another Caesar Milan thing here real fast, which is kind of funny. Um, I watched this episode uh, where there was this lady with this little yappy dog, and this dog would go, yip, yip, yip. And the lady would go, you know, Fluffy, stop barking. And yip, yip, yip. Fluffy, stop barking. 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 Escalade, escalade, just kind of go. And the phrase he said was fantastic. Is the more you become like them, the less you can help them. It's like, oh man, pause, write that down for the notes for the next client coming in, okay? The more you become, actually that was more about me. What state do I sit in as a counselor as I'm sitting around anxious people all day long in my office? And is my stuff bleeding over onto them? I have to know what my state is and how to regulate that. The more you become like them, the less you can help them. Any other questions about what anxiety is? What are the two causes? The first one is loss, fear of loss. And the second one is not knowing how to solve a problem. Okay. All rooted in what, Lacey? We don't want to give up control. Any questions about that before we move on to kind of the next things here? Because we got a whole point of this is figuring out solutions. Would you agree? It's not enough just to go to the mechanics and the guy goes, yep, you got a bad transmission. Thank you very much. <laughs> Drive home now. <laughs> Knowing doesn't solve it. So we actually have to figure out what to do about it. So any other questions before I move on? Loss, uh, not knowing how to solve problems, control, history, 
anticipating problems in the future. Are we all clear? You guys are rock solid. Great. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. How in the world, yeah, I'll go back. Would any of you be willing to just uh, briefly say what causes anxiety for you? Again, I'm not asking you to back up the truck and give us your full life story here. In one or two words, um, what are some of the things sitting in the room that cause anxiety? Anyone willing to share? Trauma. Trauma. Okay, what was the other one? Work emails. Yes. Real loud, please. Bosses. Absolutely. Bosses. Anxiety. Graduating. Yes. Loss of health. Absolutely. Huge. Huh? Kiddos. Children. Poor ethics, yes, yes. I'm sorry? Deadlines, yes. What was your? The planet, Earth. Okay? Aging, yes. We haven't figured that one out yet, have we? By the way, a lot of people try to actually figure that out. Take this thing, do this program, exercise in this way, buy this piece of equipment, do this thing, and you will stay young forever. Because we're terrified of losing youth or value or name, whatever that is. Aging is huge. Someone else? Anyone else? Making decisions for others. Man, that's a good one. That's a good one. Making decisions for yourself. Yes. 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 Being alone. That's a huge one right now. A lot of people are wrestling with that loneliness piece. Comparing myself to others. Transitions. Yelling. Loss of trust. Yeah. You might not have said what your anxiety is, but I'm guessing some of these might have rung true for you. You might have resonated with some of them. You might have something that's too personal, too specific. Please hold on to it. We don't want you to expose something that you don't want to expose. But again, my hope is by the end of this series that you're going to be able to know how to face this concept of loss or know how to solve your problem or know how to give up Lacey's issue of control so that you can get freedom and not carry this anxiety over and over and over again. Now let's go to the solutions thing here because the solutions are just fantastic. Uh, how does the internet tell us to stop um, having anxiety? because the internet is the bearer of all wisdom, okay? So that's where you turn when you're having anxiety. Specifically, where do you turn to? Google and Amazon. <laughs> Amazon has taken over the world. I hear it. That's scary. Uh, YouTube is where I go. 
if you want to learn anything, you want to go to YouTube. So, good grief, come on. Oh, it died again. Magic mirror on the wall. Okay, there's that. Uh, I have anxiety again. Um, I don't know how to make it stay. Do you know why it's doing that? Source found. It keeps kicking off the source for some reason. Weird. We'll have to figure that out for next time. I can just go through them. We have pictures if you can figure it out up there. Um, but we have this idea of just think different, right? You're anxious. It's just your thoughts. Just think different. And if you can't figure it out, what's wrong with you? Because it's just thinking different. So learn how to control your mind. Or learn, use this to brainwash yourself, because that's always helpful. It's to brainwash yourself. Uh, I can't remember who this is. What I find fascinating are these numbers. 5.8 million views. Apparently, he's, he's tapping into something that someone goes, oh, I wonder if that's what I need to do. 5.8 million. Um, second most common one is um, learn how to stop anxiety symptoms by breathing. Okay, actual quote from this guy. Again, I don't remember his name, but he says you need to rid yourself of stale air. Just breathe. Rid yourself of stale air, and then you won't have anxiety. Did you know it's just a stale air problem? Good HIPAA, good HEPA filter will just take care of that. Good air, no more anxiety. Or um, this guy, I don't know who he is. Apparently, I'm not very hip. Does anyone know who Charlemagne, the God, the, the God? Okay. Anyway, he's apparently uh, pretty popular. And so is Dr. Oz here. So um, he, he wants you to breathe deeply, and that's going to calm your, your nervous system, and that's going to make the anxiety go away. Just, you know, it's pretty gutsy to call yourself the God. Just saying, okay? I mean, guy with confidence, you never know. Uh, what else do they tell you to do? They tell you peaceful meditation, instant relief from anxiety and stress, peaceful meditation music, deep, deep relaxing and healing music. Again, numbers, two million. It's actually not bad music. I listen to it. So it's not, it's not bad. Will it, make, will it make your anxiety go away? Um, oh, these are good. Okay, this is a big popular one right now. Um, guided meditation, okay? Relieve anxiety and stress, deep relaxation, relaxing music, deep meditation. Guided meditation. We have um, your diet, five foods that can cure anxiety. If you eat grapes and it looks like tomatoes, you're good to go. I don't like tomatoes. That might be my problem, okay? Um, but five foods... Um, oh, this one's always fun. Again, hypnosis. Should we just hypnotize ourselves as sleep hypnosis, self-hypnosis kind of thing? Again, this is our winner so far. 6.6 million views. Um, this is a good one. Best yoga poses for anxiety with Becca. Thank you, Becca. Okay, 46,000. This guy, he wasn't as good as me, okay? He had 30 seconds, how to overcome anxiety. In 30 seconds, I said three or six, so, but 1.2 million. 1.2 million. People
people are looking for answers on how to solve anxiety. You guys decided to come see someone in person and how to deal with your anxiety. Could have just gone to YouTube. We got a lot of choices. Um, we have more. This is supplements, okay? Natural or what is now legal in Oregon. Um, so this is actually a lot of CBD stuff um, or CBD with other things to get rid of the anxiety. I have a lot of clients who actually depend on uh, medicinal marijuana to kind of calm that anxiety. It's, it's, a, it's a reality nowadays. Uh, what else do we have? Oh, this is a good one. Exercise. Just get out and move. That only has 9,000 views because <laughs> who wants to exercise? <clears throat> it's hard. How many of you have tried at least one of these things? Don't have to say which. Yeah, okay, lots, lots of hands. Me too, me too. How do you think I found them? Um, screenshotted them. Other ways that we deal with our anxiety, again, thinking our way through it. Um, if you are a, a believer, if you uh, have a faith system, oftentimes we go to that one. We're just gonna pray. Let's bow our heads and pray, and we're going to ask God to take away all of our anxiety. And because he promises, you know, because he wants to make us happy and comfortable, right? That's what God promises. I don't know what scripture you're reading, but that's not what he promises. But we spiritualize, or we do the, um, <clears throat> I'm going through this thing because it's supposed to change me. It's supposed to transform me, and so I have to be happy about it. This is a hard thing, but a lot of people use it um, to kind of get through the anxiety. Um, another popular one, medicate. So we're gonna do everything we can to distance ourselves from the anxiety. So pick your favorite substance or behavior here, okay? Alcohol, drugs, shopping, sex, uh, work, relationships, um, Video games, ooh, popular one right now. Wacky. Huge. Wacky. Working. Wacky. Walking, Wacky. yes. Yep, I have clients who go for walks religiously to try to calm themselves and to regulate themselves. It's a very common thing, very common. <laughs> Legal medication, yes. Doctor, I need some meds, give me something. And again, I wanna be really careful here because well, yeah, okay, we're gonna pause. Everyone take a deep breath for me. No more stale air. Now feel all better, don't we? All of the things that we just went through there actually have some value. I know I'm kind of having fun with them. They actually have some value short term, but they don't actually get to the deep root of what causes anxiety. They typically are symptom reducers. <clears throat> Um, and sometimes when we have sat in anxiety and stress for long periods of times, it actually does change our neurological makeup. Our brains have actually started to release and fire uh, neurochemicals that we have to be able to regulate and we actually have to have a booster or something to help us. And sometimes medication is absolutely necessary. I am not the guy here who's saying, stop all your anxiety meds. Do we all hear that? Okay, at the doors, you're gonna sign that waiver that says, Paul says, stay on my anxiety meds if you're on them, okay? Because they can actually be helpful. They can be beneficial. 
The goal is, though, we don't want to have to depend upon chemical substances to help regulate us. And we want to deal with the root causes. But you might need those things, just like you need a cast on your arm. When you break your arm, you need some sort of um, support system that's going to help stabilize the injury so that it can heal correctly. Okay? Medications can absolutely be that. I don't want to, I want to be really clear on that. Are we all good? Okay. These don't want work. Uh, oh, sorry, one more. This is probably everyone else who didn't come tonight. This is what they deal with. None of you deal with this one at all. Okay. Just staying busy. Let's just do one more thing. Let's just say yes to one more thing. Let's just go do uh, one more distraction. And then maybe we won't feel anxious. Again, that's everyone else out there. It's a good thing none of us have to deal with this in here. It's just easier that way. Again, these things don't work because they don't get to the, to the deep root, which is what, Lacey? Yeah. Every time someone says your name, I'm conditioning them right now. So the rest of the year, <laughs> they're going to figure that. Sorry for that. Uh, we want to believe that we can be in control for most of our life. Some of you, this is rubbing you wrong. This is hard to hear because we live in a society that says we need to be self-actualized. We need to take control of our own lives. We need to make sure no one else tells us what we can or can't do. We should have control. And if we don't have control, then you must be doing something wrong. You're giving your power away, or you are not living in a healthy way, or you're being foolish, or you haven't learned some sort of magic system or whatever that is. And if you let anyone hurt you, it's your fault. And we don't like this message that sometimes you can't be in control. I like to use a different word. I like to use the word responsibility. Responsibility rather than control. I want to make sure that when whatever situation I am being responsible, break that word down, what is it made of? Two words. Response able. Do you hear that MacGyverism in there? No matter what happens, I know that I can handle it. I can choose my response. I am able to respond in whatever's going on. When we know that we can do that, we tend not to have that much anxiety. Now, for some, that might be take a little practice, a little bit of skill building. But when you know you can do that, you don't have to be in control all the time. I am in this moment right now again um, teaching my last kiddo how to drive. 16. Um, debating whether we just, he doesn't have a big interest in driving. It's like, well, that's actually helping our insurance, so maybe we can push that off. But I'm sick and tired of being his taxi driver and driving it around. And so we're trying to teach him how to drive. He has permit, and he's actually a pretty decent driver. But again, sitting in that passenger seat while he's driving a 3,500 pound piece of steel down the road with other people driving around him. My hands have, you know, deep embedded marks on the dashboard because it's hard to let go of that control. We believe that we should be and can be comfortable and in control all the time. And I'm here to say, I've got bad news. 
Does anyone disagree? Does anyone, again, this is the conversation part. Anyone say, yeah, Paul, but what about? Yes. Yes. You've come to surrender to the reality of your world now. Still hard, but that's required. Again, that comes back to the original premise, Nikki, of do we actually, oops. I just stepped on a cup of water and my sock is now soaked. Sorry about that. That was a little surprising, actually. Didn't expect that. Um, that comes back to the original premise, Nikki, of do we believe that we are actually helpless and that anxiety is just a permanent thing in our life, or do we actually believe that it can change? Now, again, I'd like to say that after six magic weeks of with me, you'll have zero anxiety ever. If I promised that, um, I would be lying to you. My hope is that you can have less anxiety and you know the pattern to keep practicing so that on your own, you can come back to a wonderful community here and start practicing this over and over and over again so that after a short period of time, give it a year, six months, you're gonna say, I actually genuinely have less anxiety. Now again, you might have a lot of fear, you might have a lot of grief, you might have a lot of sorrow and loss because you're in chronic pain, you might be worried about your kids, but that's not anxiety, okay? That's reality, that's presenting problems, and we should respond to those with healthy emotional responses, but I don't want you to have anxiety. So here's where we're going. I'm actually doing pretty good on time, that's pretty rare in here, so you're welcome. Um, Same question, the other side of the coin. We actually had several of you list what is the anxiety that you're carrying. What is the thing that you are afraid of losing? Or what is the problem that you don't know if you can find a solution? Again, you don't have to go into details. We don't need to have names and dates or anything else like that. But what is the thing you're afraid of losing? Would you be willing to share and say it out loud? Trust. Other people's trust, huge. My support Your support system, absolutely. Quality of, life. Quality of life, yes. We're gonna come back to that in just a minute. Quality of life, anyone else? What are you afraid of losing? My time. time. Huge. Huge. I afraid of losing God's love. That's a big one, isn't it? <laughs> For, me. For you. And chances are you're probably not the only one in the room. Anyone else? What are you afraid of losing? Or what's the problem you don't know how to solve? 
These are important things. Can you, can, do you hear how important these are? Support systems, God's love, trust, other people's trust. These are valuable. No wonder we're freaked out. And no wonder we're trying to figure out ways of not losing them. And yet we're building ourselves these beautiful prisons, trying to avoid getting hurt in them. And I want, to get, want you to get out of those prisons so that you can have freedom. Have the anxiety reduced just a little bit. Now, I'm going to do something that's really, really... Oh, sorry. Come back to you. you what, what was yours again? Quality, quality of life. Has anyone noticed um, the, the concept that people who tend to have the least tend to be the most generous? You look at... Um, cultures of, in third worlds who have very little material possessions and how generous do they typically be? Isn't that remarkable? I would suggest, and here's another premise and you guys can tell me if you disagree or go, yeah, Paul, but um, because we have been blessed with so much, we have comfortable houses, we have cars, we have material possessions, we have community, we have people, we have, we have unbelievable things like that. We now walk around in tremendous fear that we're going to lose some of that and we're going to go backwards, right? Because that's the whole point. Even your example of financial freedom, we're supposed to be able to get to a point where we have financial independence, where we can retire, where we don't have any more financial problems. Anyone struggle with that one? Okay. Yeah. Me and nine times over. Because we believe we should have more, we should have more, we should have more, so we desperately hold on to what we have. Fear of losing what we have. It's hard. Okay, so here's what I want to do. How's everyone doing, by the way? We're doing all right? Isn't this a fun way to spend a Monday evening? <laughs> yes. Um, I'm going to do a little teaser um, to see if you guys will come back next week because I actually have a specific technique that wasn't on any of those internet uh, videos uh, and it doesn't fall into the keeping yourselves busy, spiritualizing, or medicating um, technique to actually start to overcome the anxiety and the symptoms that you feel. It's actually a proven technique that works really, really well over and over and over again. And yet, a lot of people, when they first hear it, they go, Paul, you are crazy. There's no way in the world I'm going to be willing to try this. But that's what I want to teach you next week. Because I want this to be a practical thing. I want this to be um, a very tangible um, uh, series that you can learn a technique early on in the series and then start to practice it. And we can actually hear feedback throughout the weeks. So you can go, yeah, I actually tried this. Even though I actually think you're out of your mind, I actually gave it a try. And here's how it turned out. So you're not just taking my word for it, but we actually can run a little experiment. Okay, it's kind of like lab, part of the lab portion of the class. Um, so that will be next week. I want to give you that technique. And then the week three is the scary week. Um, because week three is, um, I actually want to go through uh, an entire passage in Scripture which is designed entirely around this one topic of anxiety. And I want to dissect it with you guys. And I want to walk through the argument that's laid out in this Scripture. Um, 
And for some of you who have a, a faith basis and, and you've read this scripture before, my hope is that you'll be able to see it with different eyes and, and have different ways of applying some of the passages that you've heard over and over and over again. For some of you who don't have a faith basis, and again, I'm not assuming everyone in here does, this might be an interesting idea to come and say, what does scripture, what does the Bible actually say about anxiety? And um, does scripture have anything that, that would provide comfort and value in my life? because you're here for a reason. You're here asking questions, just like everyone else who's got 9.8 million views trying to find solutions to your problems, okay? This might be your thing to try to figure it out. And my hope is that you'll actually come up with answers. But I know that week three, some of you are gonna go, Paul, I have a really, really hard time with this. And that's okay. You are still welcome, you are still invited, and you're welcome to dialogue. You're welcome to, to have conversations with me about this. And my hope is that it will spur on conversations amongst, you know, you guys in the off hours or, you know, as you go through the rest of the year at Refuge because you'll be coming back to, here's what that guy Paul said, and I'm really having to kind of apply that now, but I'm having a hard time. Maybe this person can help me. And the community around here, you guys can walk together um, through that process. So week three is graduate level anxiety problem solving. If you're courageous and brave, Come and listen and consider. Would that be all right? Next week is the crazy idea on how to reduce anxiety. Um, come back for that one as well. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like more information, please visit paulelmore.com.